You're listening to the Citrus Church Podcast. Now, here's the message. All right. Well, uh, I want to welcome everyone again. Thanks for joining with us today in worship. Um, You're welcome to grab some coffee if you need to. Uh, I'm going to do a thing I don't normally do, which is keep my water close. Uh, We had a great day yesterday at the Horizon West Fest. Uh, So thank you to the volunteers who helped to staff our booth and connect with our community and share about Citrus Church. And after five years, I think I would have remembered to not extend my voice so much that I sound like this on Sunday morning. So the sermon may get shorter if I lose my voice. That may happen. Uh, But this morning, as we continue in Lent, uh, this morning is the second Sunday of Lent. And so as we continue this series, we're looking at some of the ways that Jesus uh, invites us to turn our life inside out, to look to the things that God is doing within us and how those invite us outward into the world. And so I want to begin with our scripture this morning, and we're going to kind of go almost a little bit verse by verse this morning, looking through it. And we'll begin this morning with John chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. So if you do have a Bible and you want to turn to that, that's great. If you don't and you use your phone, you can do that. And if you don't have a Bible, we have some in the back as a gift that we'd love to give to you. So uh, in the story here that John writes, it says there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus. Some of y'all know his, uh, what's the Sunday school name for him? Some of y'all know this. Nick and, Knight, Nick and Knight, that's the right answer. Okay, no one knows that, okay. There was a, come back to that. There was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a Jewish leader, and he came to Jesus at night, hence Nick at night. And he said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could do these miraculous signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered, Unless someone is born anew, it's not possible to see God's kingdom. And so I want to begin there this morning as we think about this. And what we're going to see this morning, what we've been looking at through Lent, is that our life of faith is a journey with Jesus. And oftentimes when we think of the concept of a journey, we think of a journey in miles, right? How far will we go? Some of you have traveled from St. Pete to be here and further, and In this particular journey, Nicodemus' path isn't measured in miles. In fact, it's going to be measured in the change that takes place inside of him. And oftentimes, I think those are the most significant journeys for us, aren't they? It's not always the ones that take us far away. It's the ones where we're on a journey within ourselves. God is doing something within you and I. And so this morning, as we look at the life of Nicodemus, here is someone who comes to Jesus And as they have this conversation together, we're going to begin to see a pattern in this. And three times, Nicodemus will ask a question or will make a statement, and Jesus will answer him. And all of this centers around Nicodemus' struggle to understand what is actually possible through Jesus. And what I hope that we can see is that the journey that you and I are on with Christ will also bring us to new understanding but will continue to bring us to new understanding with Christ. I'm reminded that belief in Jesus is a journey that begins on the inside and then works its way out into the world in new ways. And so this morning, I'd like to hold two things in tension. One, that we can be deeply rooted, committed followers of Christ, and we can have a constantly evolving and growing relationship with Jesus. And these two things don't need to be mutually exclusive. They can both work together. And so what we see is the beginning dialogue in verses 1 through 3 where uh, this question is asked. 
Now, the thing you need to know about Nicodemus is, is he has a lot of knowledge up to this point. John tells us that he was a Pharisee, uh, that he was a Jewish leader. And so some of the things that we know about Nicodemus is that he was a teacher of the law. The law is not the way we think of it necessarily. The law would be uh, the Old Testament, the Torah. And so Nicodemus was schooled in this. He was trained in this. He knew, as we would say today, the Bible forwards and backwards and everywhere in between. And the Pharisees, the unique thing about them is that they were a very uh, strict kind of sect within the Jewish people and the faith. And their thing was that they took every rule and ritual very significantly, very importantly. They made sure to observe everything just right. They were the ones who would make sure to observe all the T's crossed and all the I's dotted. To add to that, he was also a member of the Sanhedrin Council. And this was a council that was put into place in each town or or village, and it was basically the, the legal authority within that village. And so these individuals would help kind of rule and give opinion and guidance by taking what they knew of their scriptures, what they knew of their rules and what was best, and and making judgments. Uh, And Nicodemus sat on this council and was a part of it. And so here we have someone who has authority, who has privilege, who has deep knowledge and understanding of the ways of God. So when he approaches Jesus, he has all of these things already in his back pocket. He already knows these things. And so when I think about Nicodemus, I think of someone who has done the work, who's earned the degrees, who has taught the faith to others, and who has risen over the course of his life into a place of authority and importance. He has, in every sense of the term, arrived. Nicodemus has arrived. And Jesus comes along on the scene, and Nicodemus shows up, and he does a good thing. He says to him, he goes, I know that you're from God. I know that you've done miraculous signs. So he kind of affirms that he sees who Jesus is. He understands that he's from God. Right? He, he understands what has been happening. But Jesus affirms that and, and basically says to him in this passage, Nicodemus, you must begin again. Nicodemus, you have to begin again to understand what God is doing. Now, I know that many of you can relate in a deep way to Nicodemus because throughout the pandemic, or maybe in some time since, many of us in this room have had to begin again, right? You can empathize with how hard this must have been for Nicodemus to hear. Whether you had to begin a new job in a new field, or if you began a new relationship midway through life, or if you've moved from middle to high school or from high school to college or to something else. A lot of times we think of new beginnings as joyful starts, but usually they're just hard and challenging, right? (laughs) And oftentimes those new beginnings are frustrating and challenging because they're full of complicated things that we have to learn afresh. And many times we're embracing things that we didn't know before and (laughs) Sometimes we're being trained by someone who is younger than us. (laughs) Sometimes we realize just how much we don't know. And there can be a sense of embarrassment in that, an uncomfortableness. And so Jesus tells Nicodemus, you know it all, you're a leader, you've got all the pieces, but if you want to understand what God is doing through Jesus, you've got to start afresh. 
got to be hard for Nicodemus, I would think. And so most oftentimes what I've learned is probably what you have learned too, is that I learn the best through challenges, and I enjoy going through challenges the least, right? We grow through challenges because that's when you and I are forced to learn new skills or to embrace new people or to look very deeply inward at ourselves, to swallow our pride and to begin anew. And few of us enter this kind of deep change willingly or excitedly. But I'm sure you've noticed, like I have, that as we look back on our lives and on past seasons, there is a sense of gratitude. Maybe we didn't enjoy the moment, but we are thankful for the fruit of the growth. Or at least we're grateful for the journey that we're on at this time. And so Jesus gives to Nicodemus this analogy of being born again. And I can't help but think we didn't really plan it this way, but it works so well that we just had Liam up here as a reminder of what it looks like to be born anew, to be born fresh, right? And so in this, God invites us to trust God with the places that are uncomfortable, with the things in our life that are deeply unsettling, with the areas where we feel like we're starting over again, maybe again. And here's what we see is that in scriptures and in John, we're only in chapter three, but we know that Jesus is going to do and has already done extraordinary things. Nicodemus comments that up to this point, he's already seen the miracles that he's done. He's already seen enough to know that this is not just a prophet or another teacher, that this is someone from God. And so God is doing something wild and new through Jesus, and Nicodemus has the opportunity to have a front row seat to all of this. And so I want to remind us that in the process of change, I want to help shape some of the ways we see these things because my natural inclination is to look at change and discomfort and questioning, questioning kind of some of the inward place of my own life and to feel like it's kind of a dark, gloomy thing. What I want to invite us to do this morning is to see the ways that God is at work in these and to find a couple of examples of how we can move through seasons of change. And so with that, I want to remind us that uh, just when Nicodemus thought that he knew everything that there was to know about God, here comes someone new saying, you're just getting started. Everything you thought you knew, you're just getting started. God is doing something new, and he gives him the analogy of new birth for Nicodemus to invite us to consider how our lives can once again hold the spark of possibility that we saw reflected in the face of an infant. How might our lives hold that once again to you? Being born again is a term that many of us are probably familiar with. And so given the the spectrum of backgrounds that we might have in a church this morning, it's a way of trying to describe the change that takes place in our life when, when Jesus comes into our life and we are saved is maybe the term that you have. Maybe it's uh, salvation or saving faith or new life or being born again or justifying faith. We've got a lot of different ways to describe it, but we're all talking about the same thing. It's the idea that God is awakening a part of us that was dormant or was unaware that there was a God beyond this world or maybe just hadn't experienced that in a real and tangible way. And so when we think about these ideas of being born again, it's the idea that we're beginning afresh 
with Jesus. And maybe for some, you can place your, your finger on a date on the calendar of when you first believed. Maybe you know that on such and such date on this year is when I gave my life to Christ. You might describe it that way. Maybe for others, you would say, I don't have a date, but I know that uh, since I was young, as long as I can remember, I had a faith in Christ. Or maybe it was more of a process where it wasn't something you can put your finger on, but it was a gradual process where you grew in knowledge and understanding. At some point in that process, you realized you've given your life to Jesus as your Lord and Savior. There's a lot of different ways that we come to this, and at times we place so much emphasis on that decision moment that we forget that God also calls us into the journey of faith, also calls us to not just begin again, but to grow. So what I want to remind us this morning is that our faith is both a starting line, sometimes we can identify it, sometimes we can't, and it's a race, and both of these things matter. And so Jesus' challenge to Nicodemus was to be born again in a way that invited him on a journey and would also call him day after day to keep going on that journey. When we are confronted with the challenge of being born again, whether that's faith or whether you are going through something in your life right now where you feel like you're starting over, when we are faced with these things, look for the ways that God in Christ is doing something radically and wildly new. Yes, there is challenge. Yes, it is hard. But also look for the ways that new life is springing up because it's there, though it's hard to see at times. So after this part, Nicodemus asks another question and says, how is it possible for an adult to be born? It's impossible to enter the mother's womb for a second time and to be born, isn't it? Jesus answered, I assure you, unless someone is born of water and the Spirit, it's not possible to enter God's kingdom. Whatever is born of the flesh is flesh, and whatever is born of the Spirit is spirit. And as I read this second question, maybe you can hear it too, I can sense Nicodemus' frustration at this point. He's asking this question, and he's giving this response in such a way where he is struggling to relate to this. And maybe we can relate to this too. Here is a new idea and a fresh concept. And for Nicodemus, he can only see the reality that's right before him. The best he can understand is that it's impossible to enter your mother's womb twice and to be born again, right? All he can see is exactly what's in front of him. And in my own life, I often feel this way too. Maybe you do. When we or I are faced with something really challenging and beginning again, I can oftentimes see option A, and option B of how this might work, and sometimes option C. And what I've learned over the years, like Nicodemus, is I look at these things and I say, God, I don't know how this is going to work out. Because I can see the options. I'm, I'm smart enough like Nicodemus. I've, I, I know some things. I've got some things. I've, I've arrived in some places. But I don't see how this is going to work out. I can see the choices, God. I don't know which one you're going to pick. What I've learned over the years is to look for, for what I call a third way, or maybe the God way. Because time and time again, I look out at the options in a challenging season and say, I don't know how this is going to come together. And God, every time, comes in in a surprising and unique way that I never even considered. And as soon as I see it, it seems to make some of the most sense. I don't know if you've ever experienced that before, but one of the things I want to invite us to do 
is to recognize, like Nicodemus, that we simply cannot see all that God sees. And we will never know all that God knows. And we know that, but sometimes we think that we can see what God can see. And we do know everything that God might know. And we wonder how it's going to work out. And so this morning, I want to take us to two other places in Scripture where it's obvious that the writers were wrestling with this too. In Psalm 139, it says, This kind of knowledge is too much for me. It's so high above me that I can't fathom it. Or again, Job says in chapter 36, Look, God is exalted and unknowable. The number of his years is beyond counting. The truth is, is that we can know so much of God because God has revealed God's self in the, in the, through Jesus Christ and given us the Holy Spirit. And yet there is never, there, we will never know all that there is to know about God, which means that we can never see every possible option and every possible way out and every way that God has saved us and is saving us on a daily basis. And I think that that is both good news and very frustrating news at the same time. Because Nicodemus is learning that we are learning over and over again that we just simply can't see all that God sees. And so in the second question, I'm reminded that when we face a new challenge or we are confronted with that, to be open to a third way, maybe a fourth or a fifth. Those are the ways that we didn't even know were possible, and those are the places we can see God at work. The third question that Nicodemus asks, and you can see his frustration growing as we continue with these, is he simply says, how are these things possible? <laughs> Seems like they all get shorter as we go. And Nicodemus, I think, is just simply exasperated at this point. How is this even possible? I don't, I don't get any of this, Jesus. His mind is blown. And Jesus returns with what might seem to us like a snarky response. I'll read that as we look at verses 9 through 17. <clears throat> Jesus answered, You're a teacher of Israel, and you don't know these things. I assure you that we speak about what we know and testify about what we have seen, but you don't receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you don't believe, how will you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has gone up to heaven except the one who came down from heaven, the human one. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so must the human one be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. I recognize this one. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so that everyone who believes in him won't perish, but will have eternal life. God didn't send his son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him isn't judged. And so I want to pause there for a minute and look at this because one of the things that happens as we look at a passage like this is we see familiar passages that we know, uh, whether it's from uh, football players kind of putting John 3.16 on there or kind of posted here and there. And when Jesus offers this verse 3.16 in context, this verse is really going to begin to challenge Nicodemus in some pretty specific ways. And the thing it's going to challenge Nicodemus to do is to open up his circle to the people that he considered in the faith up until that point. I want to remind us that Nicodemus is a Pharisee. 
He is one who holds to the strictest of the strict interpretation of the law. If it says it, they do it. If they don't, it doesn't. And they keep a very close eye on the law. And that's their way of expressing their faith. He's kept himself away from those who were religiously unclean, from Gentiles and from others who were out of the faith. He did these things because he found these in the law. And so it's relevant to us that when Jesus says to him, for God so loved the world, that he didn't say, for God so loved the super-religious or the Pharisees or those of Israel's house and not the rest. And what this verse reminds me is all the way back to Genesis when creation stories are beginning and everything is coming together and we see God's redemption beginning not just for one people or for a few, but for the entire world, the entire world. And so it reminds Nicodemus that God's redemption is always for everyone. And it invites us to draw a wider circle around our life, to consider those that we have considered a part of our faith or a part of our community, and to consider the ones that we may have said, no, or not you, or that doesn't measure up. And so for Nicodemus, all of a sudden, Jesus is coming and erasing the nicely drawn boundaries and circles that he has made around his life. And so for Nicodemus, it's a reminder to him that this Jesus didn't just come for one people or for one group or for the super religious, but for the whole world. And that would change the way that Nicodemus saw everything. The unique thing for me is that after this point, we don't hear from Nicodemus again, at least not in speech. But perhaps like us, he was so overwhelmed by all these new challenges of all this beginning again that his first response wasn't, this is exciting, Jesus, and I'm ready to get on board. Maybe he thought, I need to take a beat and think about this. My whole world has just shifted underneath me. And I think that makes sense for us too. But I want to invite us in these challenging seasons to consider the ways that beginning again can invite us into some joyful, though challenging, new paths. That as we look for third ways, that we can be open to what God is doing. And that sometimes we simply just need to be speechless in awe of who God is. Let's remember that that is an act of worship too. When we're confronted with a new challenge, be ready for God to expand your circle to put you into relationship with people that you may have never desired to associate with before. If I've learned anything, it's that I learn best not from people like me, but from those whose life and experience and perspectives are vastly different because they challenge me, because they ask me questions, because they say, well, you say this, but you do that. And I think, oh, they're right. And so as much as that is a challenge, I'm reminded that when we allow ourselves to expand our circles wider, we do encounter the love of God in ways and in places and people that we never considered before. So in summary of Nicodemus, I want to offer us a couple of things here. That, uh, <clears throat> that belief is both a starting place and an ongoing journey. That most of our growth is through challenges and through hardships but that God sees more options than we ever will. 
and that far too often we've drawn our circles too small. And so this morning, the scripture asks a very deep question of Nicodemus and of us. And so I want to ask this morning, who among us is being called to grow deeper? Is there someone being called to a new place that you chose or that you didn't choose? Who among us is seeking new understanding? Is there someone being called to a deeper commitment? My guess and my hope is that each one of us can answer that in some way as yes. So I want to invite us to seek out Jesus like Nicodemus did for clarity on our journey. And I want to highlight something that maybe goes uh, amiss here is that Nicodemus asked Jesus questions and Jesus answered them. God welcomes our questions. They don't oftentimes get written out as clear as Nicodemus did, but God welcomes our questions. God even welcomed Nicodemus' frustrations. Like, I don't know how this is even possible. That's a legitimate prayer, as we see in Scripture. We direct these things towards God, and we wait for the God who will respond to us, sometimes through a friend, or sometimes through an opportunity, or sometimes through a way that we never envisioned before. But we come to Jesus in our prayer, both personally as we gather as a community, And this is why it's essential for us as a church to cultivate a space where we can ask hard questions of ourselves and as a community. Why do we believe this? How can we include them? What in the world am I supposed to do now at this stage of life? Because the church that Jesus came to create and was beginning to create here is a place to journey together. It's a safe place to receive God's invitation to trust Jesus as our Lord and as our Savior And for any of us who feel like we have arrived, may we hear these challenging words once again to begin again in faith. I know on a morning like this that we're all in various stages. And in the various calls that we hear, I want to invite you to listen for the joy that comes in an invitation to go deeper with God. Be amazed as God reveals new paths that you never considered And let us be thankful for the people that God has placed around us and in our lives who challenge our preconceived notions. Because like Nicodemus, the journey is just beginning, even if it's beginning again. Thanks for listening. Make sure to visit our website, citruschurch.org. If you found refreshments in this message, share it with a friend. And hey, God loves you.